Well, good morning. We want to welcome you to a kickoff of a third annual general admission series. We do this a little different than our, our normal services. And what we try to do during this series, uh, during the end of the summer, is to take um, and find relevant spiritual meaning in recent movies. So we have several we're going to look at. We have four more after today we're going to look at. Today is um, the movie called McFarlane, USA. How many of you have seen the movie? All right. Got a good group here. I cannot see out in Robinson or Wilkinsburg or Robinson or online, but uh, we have a good group here in the South Hills, and uh, we're going to check out this movie. That's a true story based on a true story about a cross-country coach living in one of the poorest areas of the United States. It's a story about hard work. It's a story about overcoming obstacles. It's a story about never, never allowing life circumstances to be an excuse or to hold you back. But we're going to see, woven through this story, about the real Jim White, is a story about meaning and, and purpose. I believe this, this movie uh, conf confronts everyone with the question, why in the world did God put me on this earth? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Where does meaning come from? And, and the question I want us to think about today as we look at the movie and then talk a little bit about the real Jim White is why did God put you on this earth? Regardless of how old you are, regardless of what stage you're in, why did God place you on this earth? What is your purpose? The American poet Henry David Thoreau said this, most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Most people live lives of quiet desperation. It looks great on the outside. We got all the stuff. We got all the things we need. We got the great facade on the outside. But inside... For me, it's always right before I fall asleep, while I'm trying to fall asleep, those quiet moments, times of reflection, times of thinking. And a lot of people during those times have this quiet desperation. Am I really doing the thing that God called me to do? Am I really fulfilling any purpose other than just breathing air during my days on this earth? So, what is your purpose? And how, how can you make absolutely certain that when your life is over, you've sung your song and it's not still in you? Jim White knew what his purpose was. And he was willing to make every sacrifice in order to fulfill what God put him on this earth to do. 
He came from a family of missionaries, but Jim loved sports. So he decided to, to marry his, his passion and his purpose and be a teacher and a coach and make uh, an impact in the lives of kids. He graduated in 1964 from college and he moved to a very small town. Jim White always liked small. He moved to a small town in McFarland, California, one of the poorest cities in the United States. Today, McFarland, California has a 51% unemployment rate under the poverty level, 51%. The city is located in uh, California's Central Valley, three hours north of Los Angeles. Highway 99 goes right through the city and separates McFarland's poor west side from their much poor east side. And there in that town, Mexican-Americans, known as pickers, put in 12-hour shifts to pick oranges and grapes and almonds and peaches and plums. Families in McFarland are caught in this vicious cycle of poverty and hopelessness. They, they, they can't get out of it. All of, them want, all of them want out. All of them want to move out of McFarland. But Jim White chose to move in. White began teaching fifth grade. He later taught high school. He taught uh, in physical education. He always wanted to coach baseball, but too expensive for the equipment in McFarland, and he couldn't find nine guys to fill the baseball team. So after 17 years of being in McFarland, he found a sport where he could impact the life of one student at a time, one kid at a time, cross-country. In this first clip, you're going to see first Jim White convincing the principal that they need to start cross-country, and then convincing seven kids they need to be in cross-country. Check this out. Can I talk to you a minute? Yeah. Do you mind if I shut the door? This requires a shut door. Cross-country running. California is holding their first state championship this year. Cross-country. That's a private school sport. They breathe different no, air than we do. No, it's the same air. You do understand we don't have a cross-country team? Yeah, what I don't understand is why we have a football team instead. I mean, we have, we have kids here who seem like they can run forever. They carbo-load on rice and beans. I mean, they pick an extreme heat. They go to school all day. Some of them even run home. I've seen it. And it's unbelievable. Yeah. And you've just described half the kids in the Central Valley. Jim, let me ask you something. You've coached cross-country before? No. Track? No. But you ran? Competed in high school, maybe? No. Well, you sound perfect. follow me you know how fast you were going what are you a cop look i don't know if this car speedometer is right it's an old car but if it if it is you're running almost 12 miles an hour it means you'd run a mile in five minutes so you always run that fast i don't got a car right can i give you a lift no but you can quit following me 
I ask you a question. You think the guys in my class would be in the cross country? <laughs> country Western ain't my thing, boss. Cross country running, wise guy. <laughs> For what? To win, to compete. To impress girls. Nobody wins around here, White. Doesn't have to be that way. I watched you run. You can beat somebody. I felt like it. Which I don't. What do you say? You want to help me get a team together? <laughs> How many do we need? Seven. You can start with that knucklehead. <laughs> Johnny, make sure one of those guys is Thomas Velez. Hey, yes, sir. You want to be on the running team? Nope. Come on, man. Just think about it. Say yes. Hey! Better than I want to talk to you guys about a running team. Johnny. You want to be on the running team? I'll be on the running team. You guys want to be on the running team? Got you now, Cardenas. You are this far from Julie, son. Jose, you give me my change. My change got stuck in the machine. I asked Jose to get it out for me. You're not helping them, White. What's do that for? Congratulations. Made the cross country team. Yo, man, I told you to stay with my sister. And so did Thomas Pillow. Do me a favor, Vias. Act a little happier. The coach just negotiated you out of the suspension. Success didn't come easy for the McFarland cross-country team. They had to work hard. And the problem, problem with these boys is they got up about 4.30 in the morning and worked in the fields, went to school, worked in the fields after school. Then they had to figure out a time where they could train 8 to 10 miles a day. But when you have a purpose, you have a song to sing, and you know what that purpose is, you're willing to do whatever it takes, aren't you? Make all the sacrifices necessary to do what God is calling you to do. Jim White knew his purpose, and he knew his meaning, and he was willing to do his part, even if it meant getting involved in the lives of the families, even if it meant working with the boys in the field. Check this out. Mr. White, your sport is like a TV. It's not essential. Each hour that my boys train with you is one hour they do not work with me. That's food off our table. I don't expect a man like you to understand. Uncle? What are you doing here? 
You know you're white, right? <laughs> about this yeah don't white people mow their lawns on saturday <laughs> haven't got a lawn what are we doing you're not gonna like it blanco so you just gotta lean it over and cut and then take off the outer leaves and turn it over this will be your road okay keep your knees bent or hit your back you okay blanco You guys uh, do this all day? Yeah. Get this field done, maybe start on another one. You get paid by the hour? Not by the hour, by the field. The faster we get this one done, the more our father makes. By the field. Demacio, how old were you guys when you started working for your dad? 10, 11. Is that even legal? <laughs> Strawberries it is, and potatoes. Other crops, you gotta be 12. I remember the first day I started, I wanted to quit after the first hour because it was so hard. Cried like a baby. Yeah, I know how you feel. You wanna quit, Blanco? What do you think? <laughs> Listen, guys, I get it. Your father needs you. All right, so this is, uh, thank you. This is what we do. On days you have to pick late, we practice later. All right, on the days we have meets, you pick extra early, and you still make your dad's quota. I'll pick with you if I have to. Only if you have to, though, right, Coach? Because you don't look too good right now. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, you sure about that? Not Blanco, not White, not Holmes. No, Coach. Coach, good. What are you eating there? Tacos, you want one? No, give me, give me two. <laughs> Coach White continued to make sacrifices, and he poured into the kids' lives. He immersed himself in their family issues, out of his own pocket, he bought them uniforms and running shoes. And his passion was contagious. Soon the families and the boys and the whole community were involved in something bigger than themselves, some success they really had never seen before. 
And McFarland Cougars cross-country team started winning matches, winning meets. They qualified for state. In this, in this next clip, the entire community comes up for the first, comes out for the first ever California state cross-country uh, championship. And after White addresses the team, I want you to see one, one and watch one boy named Jose. He, he jettisons the game plan. He runs way too fast at the beginning and loses steam. And he puts the jeopardy in jeopardy, their team winning. But notice in community, passion is contagious. When one person slows down, what happens? Another person has to speed up. Watch this. All right, everybody, gather around. Come on. I want you to look around. Best in the state, right? Every team that's here deserves to be, including you. But they haven't got what you got, all right? They don't get up at dawn like you and go to work in the fields, right? They don't go to school all day and then go back to those same fields. That's what you do. And then you come out with me and you run eight miles, 10 miles, and you take on, you take on even more pain. These kids don't do what you do. They can't even imagine it. When I went out in the field that day with you Diaz kids, I'll be honest with you, it was the worst day's work I ever had to do in my life. You kids do it every day. And your parents hope they can do it every day. And they'll do it for a lifetime if it means a better life for you. You guys are superhuman. What you endure just to be here, to get a shot at this, the kind of privilege that someone like me takes for granted. There's nothing you can't do with that kind of strength, with that kind of heart. You kids have the biggest hearts I've ever seen. Now go run your race. Thomas, you're the, you're the captain.
Where's Jose? I don't know. More than a minute slower than his usual times. It's it's not gonna be enough. Look, David will come in next, but not for another 30 seconds, see? Coach. And even then, it's not gonna, coach, it's not gonna matter unless. Coach. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. That's not Danny Diaz. Come on, Danny. That's not Danny Diaz! <laughs> Coach Jim White stayed in McFarland for 40 years. It's the only school he ever taught. He could have had, he could have gone to uh, more prestigious schools and a lot of schools with more money. But he chose, but he knew his passion, right? And his purpose. And he chose to stay there and just give himself to this community and these kids. During his time, he won nine state championships in cross country. But more important than the trophies is the impact he made on the lives of kids. That's why he did this, to impact kids one life at a time. In this last clip, you see the real Jim White, not on the Barbie bike he started riding with the kids, but on a new bike. And you'll see the real runners and what they're doing today. Watch this.
McFarland, USA is a great story, and of course, in any movie, several parts were added to make it a Hollywood story. The real Jim White was on location in McFarland, where a lot of this was filmed, and he said he laughed out loud when he saw some of the scenes that they had added. But the real story is much more significant. You see, we can inspire people during our lives, but if we just inspire people during our lives for their lives, we've missed out on eternity. And Jim White, his purpose was driven by his love for Jesus Christ. He said this, he said, we didn't do anything really that we felt to have a movie about us. A Christian should do everything well. Ryan Fisher was a, a boy when White was coaching, and he ran for White, and then later he, uh, inspired by White, became a seventh-grade coach. Here's what Ryan Fisher said. He said, White was a man of God, and he shared his faith with his kids. I know some of them became believers because of him. And while White poured into the kids of McFarland, he didn't neglect his family. It's what a lot of people do with passion and purpose, right? They impact everyone else, just not their kids. Here's what his daughter, Tammy, said. She was asked, she was asked what, what's so special about your parents they would make a movie about them? And she said, nothing and everything. That's why it's so great. They were just living and raising us to love the Lord and showing others Jesus. She said, the word I use now but didn't understand when I was younger is seamless, making every part of your life to be about the Father's glory and never being just a Sunday morning Christian. Isn't that great? Seamless, every day with the passion and purpose of following hard after Jesus Christ, not just the pretend stuff that some people do on a Sunday morning. She described her parents, who are now grandparents of 10 and great-grandparents of two, as normal, and humble, giving people. She said, they provided us with a wonderful example of what a home and a marriage and a life should look like when Christ is at the center of it. That's the real story of McFarland, USA. Purpose and meaning is not conjured up somehow in the human heart to inspire us to run faster. Real purpose and meaning is, is living a life that counts for Jesus Christ and leaving something bigger than ourselves and things that last for eternity. And we can only do that when Christ is at the center of it. Only when Christ is at the center of it. So what, what does this life of purpose and meaning look like? Last week, at the end of our service, we prayed for a young man named Connor Jardine. Connor had been rushed to the hospital last Saturday morning, and uh, he passed away last Sunday afternoon. His memorial service was Friday here. And I got to tell you, it was more of a worship service than a memorial service. 
Connor made more of an impact in the lives of people in his short 16 years than many will make in 40 or 60 or 90. Early on, Christ grabbed his heart. And Connor followed hard after Jesus. And it was contagious. When someone passes so suddenly, and from our perspective, way too soon, our hearts are filled with a lot of questions. And we've had those questions this week. Questions we can't answer. Why God would you allow this? Why Connor, this life following so hard after you, so full of of promise? Why would it be now? His sister, Madeline, spoke at the memorial service and echoed the words of many there saying, you know, this doesn't feel good. But then she said this, if something isn't good, God isn't finished. And God's still using Connor to impact lives. In this life, there are many questions we can't answer. And for some of you here today, you've had those situations in your life, and because you can't answer the question, you have run from God. Maybe you've run from God and and never trusted in him at all. Maybe you're a believer and something happened in your life, so you've run from God, and you're bitter, and you're angry. When we have questions in our lives we can't answer, and there are many, we always go to the truths we know. So we answer our questions, and we gain comfort in not knowing all the answers by reminding ourselves of what we know. Here's what we know. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. For you, David's talking about God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, from our perspective, Connor's life was cut short, but not from God's perspective. Connor lived a full and complete life. God had ordained all his days, and he lived out and he fulfilled the purpose of the eternal God. Now, I wish I could promise everyone here another five years or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. Wouldn't that be nice? But that'd be an empty promise. Because God is the one who ordains all our days. And none of us have no idea what God's timetable is for us. 
And that's why it is just essential to know Jesus Christ today. And that's why it is essential not to wait until you graduate from high school or college or get that job you want or get married or get to the next time of your life or retire to finally start going after the purpose that God has called you to. You see, we don't know what the timetable is. The urgency is today. None of us are guaranteed another afternoon. All our days are ordained for us before one of them came to be. Here's the second thing we know. We know that Connor had trusted in Jesus Christ alone as his Lord and Savior. Now, now what does that mean? I read earlier a quote about Jim White. Uh, Some people became believers because of White. What does it mean to trust in Christ or accept Christ or be a Christian? Well, the Bible is very clear from the Old Testament to the New that each one of us is a sinner. We are separated from God because of our sin. Holy God here and we are here, and there's a great separation in between. Your sins have separated you from God, Isaiah says in the Old Testament. Romans chapter 3 says we've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't achieve the holy standard. We can't be good enough for God. We can't somehow work our way to God. On our, on our best day, our best efforts, at our best moment, we still fall short. So because we couldn't get to God, what happened? God came to us. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the one prophesied about in the Old Testament. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was both fully God and fully man. Fully God, he didn't have to die for his own sin. The penalty of sin was not on him. He wasn't separated from God. He didn't fall short of God. He was God. Being fully man, he was one of us. Being fully God, he lost none of his humanity. And being fully man, he lost none of his deity. Only Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, the sinless one, the perfect sacrifice, came and he died on a cross for our sin. He's the one who demonstrated his love toward us. God did by sending Jesus while we were still sinners. Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. And it's through Jesus Christ alone, fully God, fully man, no one else, that we can have an eternal relationship. It's not about our works. It's not about what we do. You know, I know there are some people, they think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to put my good works on one one side, and I'm going to put my bad works on the other, because I got both, and I'm going to just hope that the good deeds outweigh the bad, Right? You really want to do that? You want to risk that count? Our good works cannot earn us a relationship with God. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's not of yourself. It's not by works. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We know 
that Connor trusted in Jesus Christ alone as his personal Savior. Uh, just a few months ago, he went to a camp and just re-upped, said he was all in for Christ. His uncle was telling us about that time with Connor. And he went to Panama. He was on the Panama trip. And uh, while he was in Panama, he was on, when you go to Panama, you're on different teams. And uh, he was on the, the puppet team. Uh, he uh, shared these puppets. When I first went to Panama, they, they said, tomorrow morning, we're going to have training for puppets. And I thought, oh, my goodness, how hard is this? You put a sock over your hand, and you move it like this, right? But these are real puppets. And uh, there is some significant training that goes uh, with that. And they go to schools, and they shared the message of Jesus Christ with I don't know how many thousand kids over there during the week. Connor was a part of that. And he just didn't do it with the puppets. There are so many pictures of him when he was uh, sharing Christ, the little kids at an orphanage, Metro Omega, when the orphans came out to the camp, when they were at an Indian village, shared Jesus Christ. He just did it in Panama. He did it here to those in his school, to his friends. When you take the Panama trip, the last night, the kids have put in a a long week. So last night, uh, Mirko and Tracy always have a a party, and they have cake and different things, and it's just a great time. And and so um, Jay Ware, uh, our high school director, uh, who uh, did the message at the memorial service, uh, he was there, and, and uh, he had everyone uh, together in a circle, and he asked someone to get in the middle, and, and, and they were dancing. And, and it was Connor who volunteered to get in the, mid- in the middle, and Jay said while he was filming it, he couldn't take his phone off of uh, Connor filming it. I wanted to show you this little clip that Jay made because this just shows Connor full of life and passion, a life well lived for Christ. As I said, Connor went to the hospital last Saturday. The night before, he was at a concert, a Christian concert. And the last mental picture his grandfather has of him is his arms raised up in the air, singing praises to his Lord and Savior, worshiping God for all he was worth. Man, wouldn't you like your family to have that mental picture of you? living hard, worshiping God, full of life, following your passion for Jesus Christ. So here are the things we know. God ordained our days. God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
And finally, those who trust in Christ will spend eternity with him in heaven. Today, we have absolutely no doubt that Connor is in heaven with the Lord. Not because he was a smart kid, not because he was a great swimmer, not because he was just an all-around nice guy, but because of his trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I got to tell you, heaven is not some myth or legend we talk about when tough times come. It's a real place. Jesus said in John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. We know on Sunday afternoon, Connor passed from this temporal life to eternal life in heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 5, Truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over, has passed over from death to life. Jesus said it this way. When he stood before a tomb, Lazarus' tomb, he spoke to Lazarus' sisters and he said this, I'm the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will what? Never die. And then he turned to the sisters and said, do you believe this? He turns to us today and asks the same thing. Do you believe that? Have you come to the point in your life where you know for certain, no doubts, that if you would die, now you may have disagreed with me about a lot of things today. That's fine. But I think we can all agree on this when we're going to die, right? Do you know for certain that when that timetable is over for you, God's timetable, not ours, that when you pass from this life, you're going to wake up in heaven itself? You can know that. You can know that today. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. But if you've not trusted in Jesus Christ, in just a second, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to remind you this prayer does not save you. But you know if God's working in your heart. You know if there's that void, that lack of meaning, and that lack of purpose. You know that. You know that there's a song in you yet to be sung. And I pray today that you just follow along and that you make that prayer your own. And today's the day when you know that you trusted in Christ and you know where you're going to spend eternity and then you're going to live life to the fullest here. There are some of the rest of you. You've been believers for a long time. And guys, you're just going along to get along accumulating stuff. Putting significance in temporal things. You can't do that. As a church, as a believer, we've got to be those who live out that purpose and meaning. It's more than the car we drive. 
or the job we have or the house we live in. We have to be those who live out our meaning and purpose. How sad it is when a believer goes to the grave with the song still in them, having everything they needed to live full out for Jesus Christ. So where's your focus? Where's your energy spent? What do you wake up thinking about? Where do you spend your money? That's the thing you're passionate about. And if that's not Jesus Christ, my challenge for you today is to make a decision today to start following hard after him. The world is desperately looking for people who claim to be Christians to live like Christians. If you'll bow with me, I'm going to pray. And if you're not a believer and God's working in your heart, you can use this prayer as your own. Kirk's going to come and then lead us in the last song. Heavenly Father, I readily admit to you that I don't have a relationship with you. I'm, uh, I'm separated from you by my sin. I know that. I, I feel you working in my heart. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ came, that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. The, the perfect one time for all time sacrifice paid the penalty for my sin, bore my sin in his body on the cross. And right now, I trust in Jesus. I, I trust in Jesus as the one who died for my sin. Not, not as a good way or one of many ways, but as the only way to have a relationship with you. Right now, right where I'm sitting, I trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I pray in his name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to tell somebody. Tell a friend you came with. Tell a spouse. Tell your family. Tell your kids. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. And we would love here at the church to help you get started on your journey. If you're a believer and you don't have that purpose and passion in your life, we would love to help you get that as well.